Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 158 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Patty Evans of Harmony Us. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Hey. Hey, Woody. I'm a bit traumatized. It's been a rough week. It has, huh? What's going on in the community, which we'll delve into in future podcasts, I'm sure. Things are getting a little unstable. It's been a tumultuous week, and I am happy, though, Woody. Why? I have a Dr. Harmony here who specializes in treating traumatic individuals like myself. Dr. Harmony? That's cool. Hello, Doc. Hello, gentlemen. How are you this evening? Well, we're better now. (laughs) <laughs> I promise you, most people are much better when they leave my presence than when they walked in the door. So, All right. Can I stretch out on the couch now? If you would like to. Why did I expect that from you? <laughs> I actually do have a, a nice black leather couch in my office, and many of my clients lay down on it. Black leather. That would relate to a lot of people, wouldn't it? It does. Yes. I do get requests for latex every once in a while. I have to go way off kilter right now. <laughs> do you do you dress for your sessions? I do wear clothing for my sessions. Yes, I do. That wasn't what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I do have clients that are nudists who I welcome them to be able to, to be undressed should they desire because that is what their comfort level is. Do they have to bring their own towel? Yes. Okay, I thought sure. so. All right, listeners, <laughs> we are we are genuinely blessed tonight to have Dr. Harmony on the show. Dr. Harmony, tell us a little bit about your practice. This is a legitimate practice that you have in many specialties. So what? <laughs> yes. In the short version, what do you do? I help people move through crisis and transition. I allow people not to be alone. In the short, I'm a, um, a doctor of oriental medicine specializing in psychiatry. I uh, am a licensed mental health counselor, and I have a lot of letters in my alphabet soup after that that I don't need to go into. However, my practice uh, focuses on, on two very large uh, populations, and the first one being traumatology. Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder has been something I've been working with for uh, over a decade, and The other portion of my practice is really working with sexual and relationship outsiders, those who participate in practice or have sexualities that identify outside of the, what we would say, the heteronormative, typical couple, you would say. So I work with swingers and uh, polycules, which are poly families, and uh, kinky folks, masters and slaves, and... I do everything from mentor and coach to offer therapy, to offer uh, conflict resolution solutions, and even contract negotiation. Wow. Do you do anything in your spare time? Mm, I do. 
<laughs> and and that's a whole other story. I I actually I'm a mom. I have um, four four children. Two of them biological, and two of them are my stepchildren. And I have a husband and a life partner. So my dance card gets kind of full. Yeah, I'm not sure how you have time to do anything. Wow. Yeah, well, lots of coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. And the call is, let me check my calendar. Exactly, exactly. Well, I tell you, it does keep me out of trouble, which is important. Now, you have a little experience with us kinky people, don't you, personally? I do. I have been uh, kinky my entire, I would say, adult and sexual awakening. And I have been working in the community for as long as I've been able to work with the community. So um, well over two decades. Wow. So you do have a real empathy for what's going on and you've seen it uh, up, up close and personal. I have, and I've actually traveled all over the world and experienced kink uh, everywhere. You know, um, I grew up in Europe. Um, I'm very uh, heavily tied into the Eastern European, German, and British communities. I have lots of ties in Australia and lots of ties in Asia, uh, Canada, especially Toronto. You know, there's a very large kink population yes, up there, there um, as well as all over the country. And I actually see clients from all over the world. In fact, I have a client in my client list today. I spoke to someone from Australia and someone from Georgia, the country, not the state, and uh, Japan. Isn't Skype a wonderful thing? Yes, I can't. Well, I, I tell you, um, it, it certainly has opened lots of opportunities uh, for those of us in the kink world. All these people that you've talked to all over the world, mm -hmm. are kinksters pretty much the same? We're all people. And it's a little bit like saying to me, well, you've talked to a lot of people all over the world. Are people all the same? Well, no, they're, they're very different. In fact, um, there is a very different feel between the British kink community and the German kink community, the American kink community. And it's all differential based on everything from rituals to what people fetishize, you know, whether it's very proper submissive uh, expectations, high protocol gregarian, where you have a piece of furniture right there that they aren't to have a single facial movement or a thought without permission, all the way down to people who are considered power couples that are identified both as dominants. The fetishes are very different. The protocols are different. Rituals are different. But in the core, we all have those same needs for exchange, power exchange, connection, and we get each other. So it doesn't matter if you are learning Shapari in Japan or learning a little bit about dungeon, uh, German dungeon porn. Uh, it, it, you're kind of in the, um, we're all the same people and we get each other. Well, that's a very good uh, summary of that. We all have uh, reasons we get up out of bed in the morning, and you mm -hmm. know some people's kinks are certainly different than others, and if it weren't, it would be a very dull world. Certainly. I've spent a lot of time in the European community. That's actually where I developed my kink. And then I came back to Los Angeles, and it was a very different view of things. Mm -hmm. 
the European was much higher protocol. It was uh, more strict in many ways. Oh, yes. Much more proper. <laughs> then, it, then it was California man, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you say that in your best British accent? <laughs> well, I, I actually, my normal voice, in my, in my normal voice, I do have a bit of an accent. English was not my first language, but I have worked very hard to be Americanized. Well, you do it very well. Very well. Well, thank you. You were saying that the, that the uh, Europeans are more formal. They tend to be more formal and much stricter. Their um, atonement is much harsher as well. The Japanese tend to be more ritualistic and sensualistic, in my experience, in their protocols. Very much the ritual like the tea and the very ritual, the way that they apply the rope, not just tie it and the way that it moves. Everything has emotion and everything has a feeling and everything has chi within it. So it's just a different experience, but still all the same. The one area of the world that I don't hear much about is South America. Have you had experience Mm -hmm. down there? I have a bit. There are actually quite a few underground fetish communities in the Caribbean. St. Martin is notorious for their uh, fetish community, as a matter of fact. And I've had a little bit in uh, regards to working with folks who were uh, from Colombia and from Brazil. But I've not seen much coming out of Bolivia, Venezuela. Chile. um, And I... Chile and I and I suspect that that's just because I really haven't tapped those markets very hard. I don't think it's because it doesn't exist. If that makes sense. Sure. And if you think of it, um, Colombia and Brazil um, tend to be a little bit. I think that they tend to to be a little wealthier and have a little more um, uh, be a little bit freer. In in my experience, perhaps. In fact, I just got back from Colombia, Cartagena. Well, you do get around. I do. I do. I earn my platinum status (laughs) on airlines. (laughs) What drew you to this complex intermix uh, of professions and this uh, desire to help people? Those are several different questions. The first one is, uh, what drew me to this population? Well, I'm a part of this population, and it's grossly underserved in the medical community. And in fact, um, I feel as though that because of ignorance, and uh, or a lack of education and knowledge that people who participate in these activities are are treated very unfairly. Um, I'll share one story with you. I have a client who um, identifies as a submissive and as polyamorous, and I love her. She's she's one of the most, she's probably one of the best submissives I've ever met. She's amazing, and she's a natural, and she's just an incredible person. I, I care about her a whole bunch. I get very attached to my clients, you'll see. Um, once you belong to me, you belong to me forever is kind of the the attach, and I, I sort of feel like I have all of these these people that are like my kids around the world that I'm helping to nurture and help them grow and, and such. Um, it's very rewarding, but, um, she and her, um, husband who passed away and her metamor, which is the term that we use for, uh, people who share a partner in poly relationships were having some problems. He had bipolar disorder and had some chronic pain and perhaps some substance abuse. And they were trying to seek help from a counselor. 
And so she called around for a counselor and found, uh, made some phone calls. One of the people she spoke with, she explained, we are in a triad, we are poly, we're also kinky. And the woman said, you're disgusting. Don't ever call me again and hung up the phone. That was a professional approach. Oh, don't even get me started. And then they finally made an appointment with someone who knew nothing about kink and nothing about poly. And they had their very first session. And the next day, her partner uh, committed suicide. And that story really rocked me. Has, has really, uh, to this day, that, that is a representative of what I see. That's the norm of how they're treated. That's Not, horrible. Jeez. It is. It is. I have had people who have had CPS come in and take their children because they happen to go to the emergency room and had bruises on them. And rather than the physician inquiring, they just went ahead and assumed it was a domestic violence situation. I've had judges who have tell people that were in domestic violence situations that happen to also be kinky, that if you let him hit you before, then you shouldn't be upset that he hits you now. They missed the consent counts lecture, obviously. They missed the consent counts. And believe it or not, that's actually a problem in our legal system. Technically, like football and all of these other contact sports aren't necessarily legal because consent is not an argument for uh, BDSM being appropriate in most states. And that's, I'm not an attorney. I, I, I have an attorney I work with that is the expert in this area. Um, of course, we always have the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, but it's a problem. It, it really is. And so I have made it my mission to train healthcare providers and specifically mental health care providers on how to work with kinky clients. Specifically, I've even taken the great work of John Gottman, who is the foremost marriage researcher in the world, and taken his work and actually adapted it to work with both kinky and poly populations. Because healthcare practitioners need to know about these people. Doctors need to know if you're kinky before they prescribe you medication that could potentially harm you if you're in a, a Scene. You know, your doctor needs to know if you're nudist so they can do more thorough checks for skin cancers. Your, you know, your, your gynecologist needs to know if you're having sex with multiple partners. There, there are things that your, your healthcare provider cannot provide you with proper care if they don't have the information. But you know that doctors aren't even trained on how to take a sexual history? I can uh, vouch for that from my doctor not being able to take one. I, I have all sorts of statistics in my books and in my and my dissertation that talk about the fact that human sexuality isn't even a required course for medical doctors. They get a, like a very short seminar on it and they don't cover this at all. And do you know that Florida is the only state that requires mental health practitioners to take a sex class and they don't cover BDSM relationships in it. I've taken three of them and not a single one ever covered anything outside of heteronormative or even homosexual couple sexuality. I will defend our social service training program in this region of a few years ago, but they changed it when the instructor left. They required all of the uh, social work majors to take an abnormal sexuality class and that Ooh. class included, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Abnormal shit. Wait a minute. That's, that's what the university wanted to call it. You couldn't get renamed. But the professor was outstanding in bringing in guest speakers from all of the various um, groupings. 
mm-hmm. HIV positive individuals living successful lives, uh, kinky people, gay people, the whole gambit of people, swingers and everything. And so the students met positive examples of these variations of abnormal people, abnormal people. That's good. Yeah. But they, but the professor retired in the program and that got removed from the requirement. I, th- I actually think one of our um, PhD students in one of the, uh, at the um, Institute um, that I teach at is thinking about doing a study of the different mental health programs throughout the country to find out who's actually teaching human sexuality and if they're addressing alternative lifestyle communities. It's, it's, it's a rare thing. It is. It is. And it should not be because especially with the advent of the internet and globalization and please, please, oh, I even hate to say it, but 50 shades of gray. <laughs> How do you really feel about it? Don't hold back. Oh, it has caused a great awakening, though. It has done a good thing. It's a shitty, shitty book that basically is trying to show that domestic violence is BDSM, but that's not how it is. However, um, and apparently he can be cured of it. I couldn't get past the first book. I, after that, I was done. I was just done. But in all fairness, it, the popularity that it has and and the different alternative lifestyles are mainstream now. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys, we're not in the closet anymore, and we need to not be in the closet. I mean, I'm going to have to get out? Mm-hmm. Get out of the closet. Nah. In fact, in fact, that's one of the reasons I'm out, despite any potential consequences that could be there, and why I'm very outspoken about my lifestyle, the fact that I am polyamorous, the fact that I am kinky, is I'm, I'm trying to help pave the way, kind of be the human shield for others who do want to come out as well, but are feeling trapped, whether it be because of their employment. I cannot tell you how many people that I know and that I see under false names because they have security clearances or they're politicians or they're celebrities. Or they're educators. Or they're educators because they have morality clauses they sign. Or if because they're considered to be a Boy Scout in the eyes of the public, you know, they they can't be outed that they happen to be a sadistic person that likes to be pissed on. Oh, don't get into that golden showers things. That's enough in the news. <laughs> Wait a minute. That might get your uh, your credit card processing canceled. That's right, yes. <clears throat> There's so much going on in the world right now. We have our new Mr. Jeff Sessions that's going to make sure that our life is wonderful for the next four years. Oh, boy. All the more reason for us to be loud and proud. Doc, have have you seen an uptick in people's con- concerns in this changing world that we're moving into? I literally worked for 72 hours straight because I had so many people contact me in crisis the election night. 72, 72 hours straight. straight. I had to hospitalize two wow. people. Wow. Holy. So, yeah, people are scared and afraid of, of what changes. My hope is... <laughs> My hope is is that there's only so much that can be done in four years and that good people will be good people. If we would just treat each other kindly, and I sound like a damn hippie, don't I? I just That's what I just keep saying is just be good. Just be kind. Those words have been around for, you know, 40 years in the hippie reference, and they're still good words. And may I remind our listeners out there that Mm -hmm. Buddha was a 
would have been called a hippie. <laughs> Christ would have definitely been a hippie. I have one of my interns that this week made a post on her social media that involved um, doing very, well, I might find very fun things with the anus of a particular president-elect. And <laughs> all I did was post a response of, let's be the change we want to see in the world. Why don't we try just being kind? And she took that down very quickly, understanding what I was trying to communicate. But the ugliness doesn't get us anywhere. just escalates no, no. things. Which side of the slash are you on? Um, I am a submissive because I'm a very high-powered, busy lady, and I make decisions all day long. I make life and death decisions all day long. So the last thing that I want to do is to make a decision when I walk in my home at night. And that helps you keep balance. That helps me to keep sane very much. In fact, you got to meet my wolf. He is the uh, proprietor of Kinky Jungle. Yes, we howled with him. Yes. Like, oh, he got you to howl? <laughs> yes, we oh howled. Oh, yeah. And that and <laughs> that show is set to air very soon. It's already aired. It's already aired? Yeah, okay, it's, it's already aired. Person. Okay. I don't keep track of the calendar as close as I'm supposed to. Well, you have other things to do, like being beastly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am definitely one of those closet people because I've got a very... Very uh, stringent morality clause that I work with every day. Mm-hmm. Makes life very complicated. It can. It can. And and what you decide to do at home amongst consenting adults should not reflect what your profession is. But we have a very odd culture anyway. I mean, if you think about the American culture, if somebody says, yes, I'm in an open marriage, they're evil. But if they say, oh, I had an affair, oops, my bad, that's okay. Along with 50% of the rest of the country. Right, exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So so there, there are definitely some uh, interesting dynamics. My, my husband, Jim, actually had considered running for Congress a few years back as an openly polyamorous candidate. And, oh, boy. Uh, oh, he was doing it, and, and he, was, he was all about it. And, uh, and then life got in the way, and we decided it wasn't the best decision for our family, so... Let me ask you this. We were talking about kinksters and how many of them there are out there. The number that I keep hearing is about 20% of the population of the U.S. is kinky. But if you add, have you ever been blindfolded or had your hands tied, it goes way up from there. Mm -hmm. Can you substantiate any of those numbers? Off the top of my head, I'm going to tell you, I just finished my dissertation and my brain wants to explode from statistics. I will tell you, though, that I believe, based upon the use of my magic power of, of people just kind of, I can walk in a room and people just start telling me stuff and they don't even know anything about me. I, don't, I must have one of those faces that says, oh, tell me everything. I want to know it all. And I do not believe that kink is a minority. I think that this concept of sexual being a sexual outsider is is only because you're outside the closet, not because you're outside the norm. I think with the advent of the internet, this next generation, we, we will definitely, definitely see that. I think that, and my hope is, is that the generation we're raising now, you know, probably our children, will be much more open and much more honest about who they are uh, relationship-wise and sexually. 
Well, you, you can certainly see it now in the postings and the social media, how much different mm-hmm. it is from the older generation. As somebody that works with teens on a daily basis, I see the the much more openness of alternatives and the free willingness to express their interest in alternatives uh, in a healthy way. I don't think that it's it's necessarily that humans have evolved. I just think that we just started talking to each other about it. We started finding each other. That's what I believe. Go back 30 years before the internet tied us all together and, and kink was found by knocking on a back alley door saying Joe sent me. And mm-hmm. it's just so mainstream now. It's in the movies, yes, Fifty Shades of whatever the hell it is. It did bring a lot of people into the world that we're in now and Mm -hmm. like it or hate it Uh, guy baldwin said when he was on the cast that we've lost some of the exclusivity of our club by the masses coming in we have which brings us to this concept that i i think that there are three types of us i really do and i think i probably i think i have read this somewhere and and i can't quote exactly where but i'm going to share with you that there are three styles of us. We have kinksters, you have weekend warriors, and you have lifestylers. Just like anything else. Let's let's look at golf. You've got people that pick up a club every once in a while and they try it out and maybe they'll play once a year or maybe once every 10 years. You've got people that are out golfing every weekend and then you've got Tiger Woods, right? Okay. And I, And so I believe that there are people that it's in our soul. We've known, I'm telling you, they call me Wonder Woman because I'm kind of a Wonder Woman fanatic and that's a whole other ball of wax. But I can remember begging my friend to tie me up when I was four years old, dressing as Wonder Woman in my underoos. (laughs) Now, you tell me that that isn't something that's got to be DNA. See, I believe that lifestylers, there's something in us and it's a need. It's almost like one of the basic human needs. Weekend warriors, they spend the most money, the weekend warriors. They're the ones that buy all the latest shit. They're going to all the events and they're playing hard when they play and they do the protocols and they do all the reading. However, they can't make it part of their normal everyday life. So they flip they, they the switch and they're vanilla. So they flip the switch and they're vanilla during the week. I know quite a few politicians and judges that are that way, as a matter of fact. I do, too. I know a few. And then you have the kinksters, and those are my Fifty Shades of Grayers. Those are the ones that read the book and are like, holy crap, let me go find a flogger and beat you with it. And those are the ones that get injured, by the way. Those are the ones that come in with the most injuries. It's not the lifestylers and not the weekend warriors. No training. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all enthusiasm and it's unbridled. Mm-hmm. You get you get sub frenzy and and they're they're not making good choices. Another reason why it's really good for a healthcare professional to have a really good relationship with their patients. So if their patients like, oh, we're thinking of becoming swingers, you're able to educate them on. Okay, hey, let's talk about agreements you're going to have in your relationship regarding it, and let's talk about your health agreements. And intelligent health conversations, not, oh, you just should have to be monogamous. Yeah, that'll work. Okay. <laughs> it has for me all these years. Yeah, yeah you're monogamous. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. The other one. Yeah. Oh, oh, his nose is growing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah look out, that microphone is going to hit. Yeah, that microphone's going to hit those. Oh, wait, that's not his nose. <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where did we lose the show here? Come on back. Uh, um, she's got that kind of face, remember? Yes. The, the, <laughs> there's a little... radio. It's, you do. But no, you don't. You, you have a beautiful <laughs> face. You have a beautiful face, and you've lit up our studio tonight, and we're having a great fun with you, actually. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> you hand it off to me. Okay. You're, you're seeing a broader future in the coming decades for us. What about people now? They can seek you out for uh, sessions, and they don't mm-hmm. have to be geographically near you, I presume. No, they don't. I, I do telemedicine. I do practice telemedicine because I do live in the 21st century. And um, in addition, because I train other mental health professionals, I have interns and mentees. Um, I have a nurse practitioner that works with me who is also kink knowledgeable. I have attorneys and financial advisors that are kink knowledgeable that also work with me. I have a whole team of, of professionals that are there to really work and specialize in this particular community. And you have an umbrella for that, and it's called Harmony Us? Harmony Us. Harmony Us, and it's um, www.harmonyus.com. Inc. Inc.com. And so I tell people, you don't even have to be inquiring about my services. If you have any sort of a kink issue, a kink situation, reach out to me. Because if I'm not able to help you, I will find someone who can. Um, a little bit like Charter and their their old uh, commercial marketing. If you can't get help at Charter, get help somewhere. Well, we really do believe that. I I am a connector and I make it part of my mission that nobody ever, ever leaves inquiring information without leaving with some tool to help them, whether it's readings, a referral, a website, so on and so forth. And I probably answer a couple of hundred emails every day from people all over the world that are asking about, hey, I'm in Brisbane, Australia, and, you know, I'm having a situation, a legal situation. Do you have people in Australia that you can connect me with? Or um, lots, I've worked with a lot of military personnel and a lot of them that are are actually deployed. And our military is so understanding of these variations in social norms. They're just amazingly <laughs> understanding uh, I mean I've never heard of a of a poly soldier being in trouble for his uh, lifestyle choices your sarcasm that- is overwhelming beast uh, I just I just <laughs> was I remember sitting in with Susan Wright a few years ago on a panel and they, uh, they had a case up before him where consensual polyamory had landed a soldier a foul of regulations, and somebody was not only getting drummed out, which was bad bad enough, but they were looking at criminal charges over yes, it. Yes, I have seen that multiple times for polyamory in the military, multiple times and swinging. It's 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 bad enough to to lose your your career over it, but to actually have so then have a, criminal charges. Yes, have have criminal charges to play you. What criminal charge can they bring on you for swinging? Um, it's adultery. Mm-hmm. Is there a law against adultery? In the military, In the military code of conduct, yes. Ah, it's a different rule system. It and is. remember as well that in many states, adultery is illegal still. Hmm. And it wasn't that long ago 
I can't even remember. I just, I, again, read it in a reading that in Georgia you could kill your wife if you catch them in bed with another man and not be charged with it criminally. Well, that makes perfect sense as blue laws go, I suppose. Um, remember, stopping that that long ago, the sodomy was a criminal offense in oh several states and many Still jurisdictions. Is. You need to, you know that sex toys are illegal in Texas, right? Have you ever did you watch the Dildo Diaries? Yes, and they're illegal in, in oh Alabama. Oh my god, in Alabama also. One of my favorite places. I used to market a line of glass dildos, but when we sold uh-huh. them to Texas, they were adult novelties. Or or instructional devices. Instructional devices right. was a term you could use. Mm-hmm. Just like personal massagers. I, do you not love the fact that Brookstone is selling vibrators in the middle of every airport now? Have you seen that? <laughs> yes. I fucking love that. It makes that flight go so much more interesting. That's right. And I have actually bought a vibrator from them at the airport just for that, so I could say I did. I hope it was battery-powered so you could use it on the plane. Do do you still get to join the Mile High Club if you're having sex with yourself? Ooh, it's a new twist. I like it. I actually have a friend who has that business that, that you pay a fee, and they will take you up in their private plane with champagne... And you get to, to, to have it for like two hours, have sex. You can have up to six people, and then they land. You can have a mile-high orgy. Yes. I love it. A mile-high orgy. Yes. Wow. I am going to go Googling. <laughs> I am going to go Googling. I, I think there's a show in that one, Beast. we got to go do that. That is truly the journey is the, is the experience in this mm-hmm. case, right? What's in the future for Harmony Us and Doc Harmony? But if I said law school, I'd probably get divorced. So um, I'm going to say that um, no more school, no more education. My poor family has suffered greatly. In all seriousness, though, um, we are ramping up our educational program called the Kink Aware Therapy Certification Institute. It's a mouthful. But uh, we are affiliated with the International Institute of Clinical Sexology. Um, we provide a certification program that takes about 10 months. It's, it's uh, 60 hours plus case supervision. And uh, we offer CEUs in Florida for all healthcare professions. And we are national providers for CEUs. And uh, our hope is to really spread the word and advocate uh, for the King community. Uh, both in the in the legal world as well as the healthcare world, so that we are all receiving the the proper healthcare that we deserve. Proper healthcare. I I just wish that when the uh, Affordable Care Act is dismantled and put back together, do we have? Do we still have healthcare? Well, you know, they defunded it, so um, when it runs out, it runs out. So it's going to be a an interesting <sighs> run. Just a little bit of information. If you don't have health insurance and you struggle to get it, reach out to healthcare providers. I've never turned away a patient that didn't have insurance. I would rather take a low cash rate than work with an insurance company any day of the week. And most healthcare providers will work with you, especially the ones that really believe in what we do as healthcare providers. And they're not just a business. And they're not just a business. That's a, the worst thing to do with healthcare. We're paid to keep you sick, right? Mm-hmm. Most physicians will work with you if you'll just talk to them. And if they don't, 
you might want to seek services elsewhere because that says a lot about who they are. And additionally, if you are a kinky person and you're interviewing healthcare professionals, ask. Interview your doctors. They work for you and say, I need to know what your knowledge and feelings are about kinky people. And, you know, what, what do you know? You know, you want to know if they're going to judge you or not, because if you can't be entirely honest, you can't get your needs met. Twice a year when I go to my general practitioner and I ask them to do my full sexual transmission mm-hmm. panel, he always gives me that look. Mm-hmm. Like, where have you been? Well, if I told you, you'd probably faint. <laughs> well, my uh, PPA has stopped giving me those those looks. She just writes the orders. Well, they, this guy pretty much writes the order, but I always get the look. So, Patty, when yes. did you discover you were different? Not kinky, but that you had such a passion for helping people. I've just always been that person that, that wanted to take care of others, I think. But I, I really... Um, after I was out of med school, um, I got in a car accident and ended up working in academia for a little while. And uh, my grandmother, who um, mostly raised me and was probably my favorite person to this day in the world, who I idolize. Imagine Jackie O meets Martha Stewart meets Michelle Obama. And that was my grandmother. I mean, just (laughs) the elegance and the class and the spunk. She was an amazing person. I found out that she had stage four ovarian cancer and she was living with a partner who had dementia. So I had uh, stopped working to take care of them until she passed away. And uh, I remember I was um, sitting with her at Moffitt Cancer Hospital one night, and she was sharing lots of stories from her life and uh, kind of processing her into life stuff. We both knew that, that she was close to the end. She said to me, well, I have something that I feel you need to know. And I said, well, what is that? And she said, um, I did what I was supposed to do in this world. So uh, there was a reason for me to be here, and now I know what it was. And I said, oh, well, what was that? And she said, I was supposed to be here to make sure that you came into this world because you're going to change the world. You were the one that was supposed to be here. And so, wow. That's That's heavy stuff. um, After I lost her, I did a lot of my own counseling and soul searching and um, decided that I need to, to practice kind of what I spent a lot of time preaching, and that is be the change you want to be. Try to be the light in the tunnel when when somebody comes in and all they can ever see is darkness, and that's that's just who I am. That's what I do. We are glad to have you. You gave the uh, website earlier, and we'll make sure that's on our show page so people can find you. Okay. And now here's the test. Uh-oh. I, I want to hear the alphabet soup that comes after your name. Well, the alphabet soup is PhD, DOM, LMHC, MAMS. You had to think about it, didn't you? I did. I had to make sure I got it all in there. Okay. Patty, thank you, Dr. Harmony. It has been a wonderful opportunity to meet you, and we look forward to having you on again. Oh, I would love to. You've got so much stuff going on, it's just amazing. Oh, we have lots of stuff. I could sit here and talk for hours. I should tell you some of the stories of some of the stuff I have seen. Oh, my God. 
People are into some weird shit. You are going to prepare that one for a future show, and we're going to have some fun with that. We are going to let you make notes to prompt yourself, because our listeners are in for a treat. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. You have been listening to episode 158 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we bring you Lady Steel and Master Damon, bringing you the Georgia Dark Ages Festival. Mm-hmm.